0: Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Super big thanks goes out to Jose Cruz today. He'll be holding it all together today. Have you joined the I Work For Him nation yet? Have you made that commitment to to start praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day? Have you just thought about, hey, what kind of an impact can I make on my workplace and how do I do it? Maybe you're saying, listen, Jim, but I don't lead anybody. I don't supervise anybody. It doesn't matter. You can impact your workplace by loving those people that you work alongside and start praying for them by name each and every day. Look for ways to serve them. Look for ways to befriend them. All along, being a person of excellence in your position, because any Christ follower out there should be the best, the brightest person in their position. Go out to IWorkForHim.com, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag, and see what it's all about, joining the I Work For Him Nation. And when you do decide to join, it'll send me an email, and I will personally send you an email back, along with a copy of the I Work For Him commitment, the covenant that says, hey, I'm going to start praying for my people. Romans 12, 2 reminds us of the paradigm shift that has to happen in our minds in order to really follow Jesus in our workplace, really to follow Jesus, period. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And honestly, that's what this show is all about we're trying to get all of us to stop acting the way religious people act and start acting the way that Jesus acted and the example that he set for us you know every day and I work for him I try to bring in challenging discussions, guests that really understand what it means to just connect their faith with what it what they do on a day-to-day basis. And today I've got a very good friend of mine, a lifelong friend of mine, Larry Miller, joining us. And he's he is a manager, kind of he's an operations manager for a large corporation within the United States of America. And I'll let him tell it if he wants you to tell it. But here's he's a guy that has demonstrated to me on and on again how to love the people that work for him and he's got lots of people that work for him and his people love him and i really wanted to bring him on the show just so you could hear how do you how do you really how can you be an excellent manager and how do you demonstrate love to the people underneath you successfully and and so i just want to welcome larry miller larry miller welcome to i work for him jim brangenberg how are you today i'm doing great i'm glad to have you on air today you know larry as as a manager how does your work give you a unique vantage point into the brokenness of the world? Oh, Jim, I, I believe
1: I work for one of the best-conceived companies in the world. The Hub and Spoke Overnight Distribution System, I won't say the name, but maybe somebody can guess who it is, um, was truly... Well, you can certainly
0: in- give them a plug. If you want to give them a plug, it's fine. I just didn't know if you wanted to do that or not.
1: Yeah, you know, FedEx. There you go. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But anyway, that that hub and spoke overnight distribution system was a truly innovative approach to cargo delivery. But what people don't know or most people don't realize is equally innovative was uh, Mr. Fred Smith's implementation of systems that ensure its management staff are true servant leaders. Each manager gets graded each year in an anonymous survey. By our employees on how well we treat them. Our raises and bonuses are impacted by how well we score in these anonymous surveys. In other words, you better do it. <laughs> I mean, not, not like it's not a threat, but you know they're 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 buying into it. You know, and uh, it's a key uh, key fundamental of what we do there. Well,
0: um, it's got to be it's got to be it's got to be fun, but it's got to be tough because you are part of a large corporation. FedEx is monstrous. How many employees are there with FedEx worldwide? Do you have any idea?
1: Mm, hundred thousands, over hundred thousands, I believe. Yeah, it's it's you an know.
0: amazing an amazing number, and, and and it's great that they actually care. FedEx as a corporation cares how you treat your people. They want to know. They're basically doing a three sixty review on you, saying, "Okay, Larry says he's doing a good job, but what is what is what do his people say that he's doing?" So they're actually checking on you. It's a it's a great. I I think it was a pretty
1: novel approach at the time. I mean, I've been there for. 35 years and uh, we've done it every year since and I'm sure they did it the few years that I wasn't there yet um, but it's it's really key to us keeping people motivated and engaged and, and happy happy, treated with respect you know um, there's nine fundamental things that we're graded on and uh, we, we all you know we're always checking them every quarter we got to review how we're doing against the, uh, it's called the SFA, Survey Feedback um, I don't know what the A is, but anyway, um, it, it's, it's, I, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, Jim. When I was I was a courier for 13 years, I was probably, you know, as blue-collar and, you know, tough, tough guy as there was. But once I saw a management guide and started realizing that, you know, this, this company has really got a moral compass. And it's really, you know, puts the way we treat the employees – As the number one, you know, number one factor towards our success, you know, um, it's, uh, I don't know, It, it, it kind of synced up to what I felt like my parents taught me as a kid, how to treat people.
0: That's right. We've got a guest on the studio, on the studio line today that is a lifelong friend of mine, Larry Miller. Larry wrote a book for his daughter, Liz, that was all of the experiences, just great ways to become a great leader in the organization. Larry's an operations manager for FedEx after doing and has been at FedEx really almost since the beginning but for almost 35 years and I loved what he wrote for his daughter and I said Larry would you be willing to share that with our national audience because what you said to your daughter is something that every leader needs to hear. Larry, welcome back to iWork for him. Yeah, hey, Jim. All right, so you you got many people working for you from lots of different cultures and lots of different backgrounds. How do you, I mean, and you're hiring all the time, I imagine, but I know that you keep people a long time. How do you find common ground with them in order to manage them?
1: You know, uh, I'm a white guy. I grew up in a town that was like 99% white. I work in Newark now. Now I'm the white guy. I'm the minority. Uh, It's an extremely diverse environment. Uh, like we and I, we can only succeed together via a culture of mutual respect of our cultural and religious differences. Um, the only colors we have there that matter are purple and orange. You know, it's, it's tough work, Jim. It's really tough work. And uh, we either succeed together or fail apart. That's about the size of it. Um, as far as I, I try to refer to what we do as box sport. And if we lose that box sport... Jobs will be lost, you know, in the NBA or in the NFL. If they lose, they still have a team that's going to pay them. It doesn't matter what their record is. But if we lose, that's it. No company. We, we you know, you know who we're fighting. Yeah. You know the companies we're fighting. That brown one, right? Yeah. So we we we, we all got to be in it together. Uh, we all just really work and having a, a, a respect of. Um, Religious differences, skin color, language differences, um, yeah, sexual orientation, we, the whole thing.
0: How many language differences do you got there in your office? Uh, in- this is French, Spanish, uh,
1: some of the, uh, I don't know, some African dialects and stuff like that. So four or five, maybe, I would say.
0: it's it's got to be a challenge but you're in a you're in a melting pot i mean you're just outside of new york city and so you're in a melting pot but you've got an opportunity to really make a difference a lot of those people working for you probably never ever worked for a manager that loved them before and so they've got an. You've got an opportunity to really be almost like a father figure to them. Certainly now that you're, you're uh, reaching middle age, so how? I mean, do you ever get people to come back? I mean, that have, maybe have left, uh, working underneath you and gone, and gotten other jobs. Have they ever called back and go, "Hey, Larry, I got to tell you, that was the greatest job I ever had working for you." You ever have people call you back and say that?
1: Uh, I'm not going to say that's happened. <laughs> I, 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 unfortunately, there have been people where. You know, they just kind of made a big mistake and ended up being terminated, and uh, and unfortunately by me. I mean, it's nothing that is ever enjoyable. It's right. part of the job, but it's a very difficult part of the job. And amazingly, you know, I'll hear back from them. Hey, Larry, let's go grab lunch. Let's go, you know, you know, let's go grab a beer or, or whatever. And that's probably the proudest thing I am. And, and I love what you say, Jim. I truly love them. I, I love them, and not in like a weird way. I just I, I love the, their humanity and the the circumstances that they deal with. And you know, I thought like I, you know, I thought I. Hey, I had it tough. You know, we didn't have a lot of money. We had a lot of medical bills growing up. Every one of these guys has had it so much tougher than me. Every one of them, and, and uh, you know, dealing with gang violence in their cities. Or I, I had a guy from one of these countries uh, in Africa. It may have been Liberia. And um, it, uh, right before he came over, he was given, um, what's that called, where the refuge. And what, what happened was he was in a lineup of people, and the, the militants were hacking off arms, and they'd go up to each one and go, short sleeve or long sleeve? And that's what determined where their arms got hacked off. And this guy, my best worker, they're all my best, but my best worker, you know, he, he had a deal with that. Military jets flew over right before he got the machete but you sit there and go oh man people have really been through a lot and you got to respect that you got to respect that you got to feel you got to somehow something that unimaginable you got to somehow empathize with that and go boy I I, re- I really respect what you've been through, you know.
0: Well, and you're you you are dealing in, in a large corporation, and a lot of people listening today are in big corporations, and they don't think they can make an impact. They don't think they can make a difference. And really, as I've seen you as a manager, and then you went and got your MBA and, and, and go on, moved up into the operations management, you continue to love those people underneath you, and you're making an impact over all these years. And a lot of people are listening and going, hey, maybe I, I can make an impact. I don't have to be the owner of my own business to make an impact. I can love people right where I'm at. And and that's what I loved when I saw the book that you wrote, Your Daughter Liz, your, your little manual that you put together for, I was amazed at it. I know all the thoughts weren't original thoughts that you got some ideas from some places and others from other places, but you put them together because you saw what was impactful in helping people and in in managing people, and you put it all together. And Liz now following in your steps has been a manager for for quite a few years already, and and that's quite a privilege to see that your skills have been passed on to your daughter.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jim. Thanks for that. I know I know you, you took a look at that, and you were very complimentary uh, to me about it. I got to tell you, I'll be honest. I'm not a natural leader. I'm not a natural born leader. I'm a natural born Gilligan Island watcher or a natural board, you know what I mean? Like, leadership did not come naturally to me, and it doesn't. And uh, as far as having originality or whatever, I steal. I steal every thought. I'm always looking for something that's going to help me, some thought, some phrase, uh, a book, something. Always, constantly. I'm 58 years old, don't got a lot more years, but I'm honing my craft always, honing my craft always, you
0: know. So what, what was this manual for? When did you start putting it together for your daughter? I, uh, uh, kind of funny, Jim, you know,
1: I'm a little quirky, but anyway, or I can be a little quirky, <laughs> but, um, I used to collect coffee cups in my car every day, um, when I wanted to quick check and I grabbed a cup of coffee and, uh, I wanted to see how big of a tower of coffee cups I could make, you know, and, um. I started writing, uh, at one point I started writing leadership things that I found useful, little hints or little blurbs that, uh, you know, uh, I thought maybe I can, you know, work on these. And uh, every day I'd get into the car, and as I pulled into the park and I'd pull out a coffee cup off the floor, and uh, I'd look at it, and I'd go, okay, today I'm going to focus on um, seeking win-win solutions or, you know, being compassionate, you know, stuff like that.
0: Okay, so he got so it off a of cut. Co- go he ahead. got it on a coffee. He got it off of coffee cups, but eventually you wrote it down. What What, right. what caused you to put it right. together? Was it when Oh, got- sure, sure. Um, well, okay. I mean, you know,
1: you know, you got a daughter. You got kids. I got a kids. I I love, my, you know, I love my daughter more than I I love uh, breathing. And uh, you know, a lot a lot of my lessons came hard to me. You know, like I said, I was not a natural leader. I, I came from zero. Everything was taught either by banging my head into a wall, uh, making a mistake, making an apology, um, you know, learning the hard way a lot of the times. And, you know, I, I didn't want my daughter, if I could spare her some of that agony over as she started out in her career, that's what I was, that's what I was aiming to do, just give her, uh, I, I basically took, you know, each thought and gave it its own page and put some thoughts on it and something easy to refer back to.
0: Yeah, I love the way you started out. Your cover page to the book says, Liz, I want to share with you various lessons I've learned over the years, or miraculously, I'm st- I'm still learning to help develop yourself as a leader. Take one theme a day, read the whole page to the, to uh, garner the understanding of the phrase, keep it in your car, pick a theme for the day and make that the focus for the day, run it through your head. As you walk through the front door, maybe put it on a post-it note on your computer. If you do this over time, you will develop into a more effective leader. The tremendous leader. You are always destined to become love. Always dad. And it's just, it's powerful. I mean, it's a legacy. What you did for Liz was create a legacy for for her, and, and, and you compiled a bunch of ideas. You kept her from having to read a whole, t- a whole bunch of books, though. You know, these younger kids probably need to learn to read. Yeah, I don't know if that's her thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've uh, not met a millennial that really likes to read a lot.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I believe she would. Um, you know, I've done other things. Uh, you know, a, a, a great movie, Jim, is Invictus. Uh, did you watch that movie? The, nope. The story I did Mandela. not catch that one.
0: No. Oh, oh, oh I, I've a, seen pieces of it, but I have not watched the whole thing.
1: It's It's a great, entertaining, leadership, instructional tape. I mean, it's just... Fantastic on servant leadership and forgiveness and developing a culture and attention to detail. All those lessons are are in in a video like that. Lessons are everywhere, Jim. Lessons are everywhere. I heard you talking about Popeye the other day. You were making Popeye into a lesson somehow.
0: what was that? that was yeah that was on our together on Tuesday show absolutely we were talking about Popeye yeah because I am what I am but that's falsity we all have room for improvement people don't our wives don't need to accept us just the way we are they're constantly there's constantly things we need to be working on in our workplace we don't just take a job and and stay the same way we're always we're always improving we're always gaining new ground in our jobs and that's why we did Popeye because he was always one to say I am what I am but yeah it's just like we can improve there's there's room for improvement you've been married Thirty years, just like me. But it's like, have you changed at all in thirty years of being married?
1: Yeah, I've gotten <laughs> uh, I, I'm so much better now. You know, you just learn to say yes. <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> no I'm just you kidding. say
0: yes, yes, dear, is what you say. You don't just yes, say yes, yes, yes dear. dear. That's right. Yeah. That's
1: right. Jim, okay, I got to tell you. I mean, hopefully, uh, your show's fantastic. I mean, uh, it's 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 a source. It's such a great tool. I mean anybody it's three o'clock, maybe they're going home from work right now. It's a resource. I mean it's 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 incredible. I, I did some binge listening. Um you know, I listened to you a few times in the beginning and uh you put me a little bit in mind of that FedEx speed talker that used to be on the commercial when you first started. <laughs> yeah anyway um all right. all
0: right like i said we're talking today with larry miller operations manager at fedex a lifelong friend of mine and i wanted you guys to hear some of the wisdom that he's been sharing with his daughter passing on the wisdom of the things that he's learned mistakes maybe he's made as a manager that he want to pass on to his daughter so she could learn it quicker larry welcome back to IWork for him Yeah, hey jim i called in do i qualify for the book uh, you do qualify at the end of the show if nobody's called. That's how uh, it works. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's a good question, though. It's a very good question. Um, okay, so you, I want to hit on several. You, you, This book, is you put together, it's like 40 or 50 pages for Liz, your daughter, that you put this, the, your thoughts together. And we can't talk about all of them, but I picked out some of the ones that I really want to discuss with you. So here, here's the first one. Do the right thing. The answer to every situation do the right thing don't cheat steal or lie follow corporate policy follow your moral compass so the question there is you know do the right thing cuz there's a lot of people out there they're like do the right thing but sometimes moral i mean in today's world people will go well my moral compass is x or my moral compass is z and in between there so as as you grew up you know where did you get your moral compass to do the right thing who taught you to do the right thing
1: She's Jim, um, my wonderful parents, my grandparents, you know, Sunday school. I I, I mean, work is, I I hate to say it, it sounds weird, but work has raised me a lot, too. I mean, you know, I came into the job at uh, 20, 21 years old. I've learned a lot there. Um, My parents, though, great parents, and, you know, they've set my moral compass for me.
0: Well, and so the do the right thing. What happens? I mean, you've you've been in corporate. You've been in the corporate world for a very long time now. What happens when people don't do the right thing?
1: Well, you lose your job. <laughs> you lose your job. I mean, uh, you, you make it hard for yourself. You make your job tough. You're, you're covering your lies with more lies, and you're losing uh, loyalty. You're losing credibility. Um, you know. It, it, I, Here's how it goes Jim. I'll have a decision sometimes, and, you know, it'll be left hand, right hand, whatever. And I'll go, yeah, my boss gave me this when I left. He's a great boss. He was a great boss to me. And I said, just give me some advice as I go up into management. And that's all he said. Do the right thing. I'm thinking, jeez, thanks, you know. <laughs> but, you know, 21 years later, that's, that's like, what's the right thing? Do the right thing. I don't know. Do the moral thing. Do the, do the human thing. Uh, do the thing that in the long run is, is going to be the right thing. Uh, you know, do the th- It's usually do the tough thing. And that's why at that point you have, you're, you're on the hooks of a dilemma there or horns of a dilemma. You're like, hmm, I really like to take the easy way out here, hmm, usually, but do the right thing, do the hard thing, do the right thing.
0: Well, and that's what I was going to say, do the, do the right thing is often the hard thing, especially yeah. sometimes if it's maybe if somebody over you is saying, hey, but I just want you to cut a corner here. And you're like, no, nah, I can't do that. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, everyone, I've, got a, I've got a friend right now who that's what he's been asked to do. I want you to take a position. And if you take this position, I'm going to need to make sure that you're on our team, which means sometimes you're going to have to compromise. And he's like, I can't do that. I, right. I, I can't do that." And he just got laid off. Because, mm. he would, because he wouldn't compromise. But a lot that's not normally the case. A lot of times people are rewarded for doing the right thing, but sometimes doing the right thing is hard to do, especially when it involves serving those people underneath you because sometimes it's easy to take the shortcut, but sometimes the right thing is to take extra time outside of work and invest in your people in order to bring the best thing out of them because a lot of those people don't have anybody speaking truth into their lives. Well, you
1: know, I think we have a very forgiving culture where I work um if you can you know if you make a decision and maybe it ends up to be a questionable or wrong decision but you have a, a a rationale that has morality behind it has you know integrity behind it and you can sit here and go this is why i didn't do that and you can explain it you're not going to you're not going to be in trouble not 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 where i work
0: yeah and that's and that's important that people at least recognize the fact that you're trying to do the right thing and that's Doing the right thing, it seems like a simple thing. I mean, it's something 60 years ago, nobody would even have that as something you need to be told. But in yeah. our world today, you need to be reminded all the time because we have we have a lot of examples of people that haven't done the right thing that are leading in, in lots of different places. All right. Number two, see the person. This is one of the most powerful things you wrote down. See the person. Recognize the humanity, The in, and I'm just going to add the uniqueness of each employee and customer. Eye contact is vital. Treat the cleaning crew as you would the CEO and all those in between. That's a powerful statement because, as a manager, leader, supervisor, the most powerful thing you could do is to value your people.
1: Sure. So, how's yeah, that going to impact You know, I tell you, I, I got these things from everything. That, that's from uh, Bruce Springsteen
0: okay. Badlands.
1: I want, to, I want to find one person that's not looking through me, and that really resonated with me one day as I was walking into work, and I'm like, I walk by this guy every day, the security guard out in the booth, I go, and I'll give him a nod of the head or a, a quick smile or something, I go, but he's human, and I, I bet there's a lot to him, you know what I mean, there's a lot more to this guy, a lot of them happen to be African, you know, from Africa, And that particular day, I just, I kind of stopped and took some time and talked to him and, you know, really went back and forth with him. And and ever since, we've been friendly, you know. And I said, can I do that all day? Can I do that with every person I see? On some some level, you can. On some level, you can. You know, I, I, I know this sounds crazy, but... If I walk in the hallway and I smile at somebody, I'm holding that smile for a couple seconds after you walk past. I'm always getting evaluated. All the managers, all the leaders are always getting evaluated by the people on a, maybe a lower corporate position. And they're, they're looking to go, is he real? Is he fake? And maybe holding that smile a little longer, maybe that is a little fake. But I want them to know, I'm not just putting out a face for you. You know, I mean, I am glad to see you. I'm glad that... To the cleaning person, I'll ask about their weekend. How is your kids? And and people notice that. And next thing you know, you're the good guy. You're the nice guy. You're the ones everyone wants to work for. You know, um, if, if if you if you don't care about people, they
0: won't care about you. That's right. Hey, we got to take a break. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Taking a break, and Larry, that is a phenomenal example of of reproducing what Jesus did with people. He never looked through people. He dealt with people one on one. He made them. He made them know he was right there in front of them. Larry, right before the break, you we talked about two of your points. Do the right thing, which seems like a simple thing. As a manager, we should just naturally do the right thing, yet in today's world, it's pretty countercultural because doing the right thing a lot of times means we have to put ourselves second. Have, have you have you seen other people's – have you ever struggled with putting yourself second? Maybe that's, maybe that's a good question.
1: Have I ever struggled putting myself second? Uh, I don't know if it's natural to put yourself second, but but you need to do it. You have to subjugate your ego to be an effective leader, in my opinion. Um, yeah, you got to, you know, you don't have all the answers, you know. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. So uh,
0: it's. I, I don't think it's natural, but I don't really
1: seem to have a problem anymore doing that.
0: Mm, That's fantastic. The second point you made was was such a phenomenal example of what Jesus demonstrated as well. See the person and and the fact that you, because everybody is a unique creation of God and to see those people, to see the value that they are, as you started talking about one of the guys that was working for you that, that, that that came from Africa, that went through tremendous adversity just to get to this country How and to understand that and see that in your people. Jesus was so good at that, and as a manager, to see your people and to make sure that they know that you really care, that's such a huge thing. Your, Your third point that I wanted to grab on today was, and I wanted you to explain this a little bit more, improve group culture. Look for common causes to get your team working towards a goal. Make your group special. Hard work can be fun. That's great. Set the tone. Recognize and encourage all acts of teamwork without fail. Tell me what this looks like because this is one of those things where, you know, people are like, it's a job. I don't I don't go to my job to have fun. I just go to my job to get a paycheck. How do you take a job, make it fun, and create a team? I
1: mean, our work's really tough, Jim. There's a lot of boxes out there, and they just keep coming and coming and coming. And, you know, especially at, at Christmas time, the boxes, you know, it, it, it gets to be very challenging. But the, but the leader, you, you have to set the tone. You've got to bring passion to your work. It, it, it'll be infectious to if you. If you have passion, if you have ex, excitement, it, it'll get infectious to your group. Um, I always have, like what I do in my work groups, is I'll always have them vote on a name for themselves. Uh, we've had the Blue Bulls, the Spartans, a couple others. Um, you know, what team doesn't have a name? And it makes it a little fun. You know, at the end of the day when they're all kind of getting tired and, and I, I need to cheer them up, what am I going to do? Let's go second everyone. You know, we, we call ourselves the Spartans, and I go, come on, Spartans, come on, Spartans. It's just a thing. It's a thing that we can all gather around. Um, you know, specifically when, when I see people doing the right thing, I always try to, you know, compliment and notice the action and, and, and compliment them by name. Um if I see Ron helping Andre, I'll say, hey, Ron, great job helping Andre with that heavy weight. Uh, you know, it was great the way you two worked together. That's great teamwork. Um, Gloria, thank you for being kind to Paula, helping her fill out her time card. I really appreciate that. Um, every review we do for the people, well, I'm always highlighting teamwork. Um, every Every work group meeting, I'm talking about the teamwork and acts of teamwork I've seen. Um, it's such a contributor. such a contrib- contributor to our productivity. Teamwork. It's an invisible thing. I mean, I can count how many packages they they lift and, and load. I can count that. But the teamwork, you really got to be there and, and, and notice it and and talk it up. You know, um, I always tell my guys, um, if you want to be, if you want to have a great team, if you want to be a great team, and they do. Anyone on a team wants to be a great team. You have to be a great great teammate, and that's why I tell them. Each one's responsible to build a great team.
0: Do you ever do anything outside of work with the people that you supervised, your teammates? Do you ever do anything to build that team outside of the workplace?
1: I mean, I've had some people over for pool parties. I know a lot of this stuff's a little, you know, not... mm -hmm. Uh, maybe I don't know if it frown upon, but whatever. I, I have people like your insurance company would say, oh, I don't think we want you to have 20 of your work people over, you know. <laughs> but we've done stuff like that. Um, we, we go out after work. A lot of times what I'll do is uh, there could be a couple people that are – You know, you kind of notice, geez, I don't see her talking to anybody. Hey, I don't see her talking to anybody. And you buddy them up. I mean, I've kind of built several friendships there by noticing, hey, they're kind of similar to each other. Let me kind of get them together and see uh, if a friendship can develop. And that's happened many times over the years.
0: Well, that really goes to your next point. Study each person. Everyone's different. Everyone is motivated differently. The job only gets done through your people. Take the time to know your people as individuals. This is one of those things that a lot of managers really struggle with. They they get so caught up in tasks, they forget that they'll never get anything done if their people don't get their work done. And the only way to get people to really work effectively is to get to know those people because people love to work for people they know love them. I mean, sure. it, when you're when your people know that you love them and appreciate mm-hmm. them, they work twice as hard. So how do you get to know your people?
1: I mean, there's no shortcuts, Jim. Um it's 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 conversation, it's one-on-one, it's taking time, having patience. But you have to put the time in. There's no shortcut to that. Uh observation, w- watching how they react to certain things. Um but there's no shortcut. You just have to spend time. You have to converse. You have to ask, uh, you know, questions and and sit down with them and just get to know what makes them tick. Everyone's different. I couldn't motivate you with a beer, could I, Jim? No, you couldn't. Right, but there's other things I can motivate you. <laughs> you know, Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew works
0: for me. But there yeah. you go. <laughs> you don't need Mountain Dew, my friend. <laughs> 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 but it's true. So, do you like have a have a like a a little book that you keep track of all your people? Because you have how many people working for you at any one point in time?
1: Currently, I have about thirty-two people. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, you have thirty-two people. Do you have a like a, a book with all their names and going? Hey, I noticed that this was effective way to, or this is something I learned about Bob today. This is something I learned about Sue today. This is something I learned about Jose today. I mean, do you do you, do you write down notes on people?
1: I like that. I don't do that, but I really like it. That, that well, would be he... great, and, and, and you know what? If I did it like that, Jim, if I kept some kind of—I'll just call it a scorecard. If I did that, I could then let it go. You know, geez, I haven't talked to—I haven't talked to Sharon in a while. I, I notice here. That's a great idea. I like it.
0: Yeah. So how do you keep track of it all then? Are you just just holding it up in your head? You know, the company's built in a
1: lot of. You know, we have. Um, Everyone's got a yearly review. Sure. Um, every month I have to talk to four people in depth about their feelings about the company, their feelings about the operation. It's called talk, listen, and action. And so that's that's built in, you know, just the... Uh, yeah,
0: but you've got 30 people. If you're only talking to yeah. four of them... I mean, you're not really yeah. touching their lives. So, so, I mean, your people are all, you guys are working out of a big hangar that is at the Newark Airport, and it's looking across into New York City. Do Are you, and you got offices, are, is your office at the same level where all the processing of all the boxes is?
1: No, nah, we're upstairs, and that takes place downstairs, yeah.
0: Okay, so you have to intentionally go and be around your people.
1: Sure, oh yeah. I'm, I'm part of the operation, Jim. <laughs> we very hands-on job, very hands-on. sure.
0: Oh well, no,' a no, great well, workout.
1: <laughs> <yeah>.
0: <laughs> I bet you, you get know. your 10,000 steps every day. Oh, I
1: 10,000. I do 10,000 before noon. <laughs>
0: that's amazing. All right, yeah. that's how you stay so skinny. All right, so but going back to studying your people, because your people if you have 30 people, that's a lot of people to know.'ve got Do you have supervisors underneath you that are also running in your team?
1: Uh, yeah, we have three team. I have three team leaders that work for me. Sure. Okay. All
0: right. Yeah. So you've got three team leaders. So you you can delegate some of that, but you've got to really know those people and then the people underneath them. It, it, it's just so. What are some of your methods for getting to know them specifically? Do you have any like hints where you're like, okay, I, I, I'm I observe one thing a day, or do you get any clues as to how you do this efficiently?
1: Well, I'll tell you, uh, my. my the team leaders that work for me, you know, they, they know how I feel about the people. I mean, all the managers there are good people and care about their people. But, you know, they know, like um, they'll say, geez, I saw um, I saw Myra crying today. You know, they'll fill me in if somebody doesn't look like, um, or I saw something, something they look mad today. So they'll fill me in. You know, you can't be every place. My, there's a lot of obstacles where I work. It's hard to describe what it is. But, uh, you know, you can't see everybody every day, but my, my leads know I want that information. I want right. to control that culture, what's going on. I want to know everything, especially that kind of stuff, especially that kind of stuff. You know, who, who's, who's suffering, who's having a bad day, who's having a bad week, and I want, I want to help address it, you know, and, and talk to
0: them. Well, and, and it's those kinds of observations, that, and I recommend to people say, listen, look for look for ways for people when you when you see somebody whose countenance is a little bit different today than it normally is, look for ways to go and have that conversation with them. And as a manager, I love those opportunities because I love to go and pray with those people. And, and or I, but I always ask permission, but I just like because those people they're down, they're hurting, they're looking for something, and they just need to know that they're loved. But but you're you've got these thirty people, you're feeding into thirty people, yet you still have management work that's got to get done. You're still pushing paperwork as well you've got reports to produce and things like that you've got this next point on your list that says touch it once don't shuffle papers back and forth act file or discard same with your email do your organization skills at work will give you more time at home don't steal your own time that is so powerful how do you get it all done and maintain your schedule
1: I mean, if if the fact that I collect coffee cups wasn't enough indication to you, I got to tell you, it's a constant battle for me. Um, what really helped me personally was a book called The Checklist Manifesto. Have yeah, you of it? it's
0: powerful. Oh,
1: powerful, yeah. powerful. I read it. Atul Gawande. Oh, you did, right? Yes, I have. You know, Jim, when I was a courier, the job was very easy for me. It was you go from here to here to here to here, one step in front of the other, one step, and then full speed ahead. You know, full speed ahead. You got to finish your route. And I kind of use checklist, the checklist manifesto in that same way, where I, I prioritize my day, I go from one, put one foot in front of the other, prioritize, and work my way down the list. It motivates me. Having that list there is like having, having a, a truck full of deliveries for me, you know, and I got to get them all off before the day's done. And, uh, you know, it, it really gives me momentum. It gives me force. Um, you know, I, I I spend less time at the office this way. I'm very. It's a very very compact day. I don't get any downtime, but you know, I do get a lot more time with my wife. And when the kids were little, a lot more time with the kids. Um, you know, but I go home with a clear mind anyway because the work is done.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome, and it's something that everybody can learn from. Is just to be really intentional because it is email has got me one of those things where email can dictate your day. Email has got to be one of those things where you're checking it maybe. And this, I'm very guilty. Of this, you should check it once an hour instead of all the time. Or if you've got paperwork, that that temptation to shuffle and put over on the left side of your desk and then push over to the right side of your desk. When you've got, as a manager, your most important thing you can accomplish is to get your people to do what they need to be doing. And yeah. if you can do that, then you've got to manage your own time. We've got a special guest on the air with us today, Larry Miller. He wrote a manual, put together a bunch of thoughts for his daughter, Liz. Larry's a lifelong friend of mine, and Liz is also a friend of mine. And the two of them working together to kind of learn these management lessons ahead of time instead of having to learn it the hard way. Larry, we're running out of time, but you put together another thought. You've had some phenomenal thoughts, and I love especially your focus on people. And this is your next point. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Practice empathetic listening. Empathy, then seek to un, to be understood. The reception will be better. This is this requires a whole bunch of control on emotions and the desire to see others' points of view as valid. How has this impacted how you manage?
1: Uh, I, I mean, Jim, it, it takes a lot a lot of confidence. You got to hold your ego in check. Um, but but when you take the time to listen, and it is hard. Like especially where I work, it's 105, 110 decibels. You got to get the person out of the environment. Sometimes they're angry. Sometimes you know they're upset. Um, you got to get them out of the environment and just let them talk. Don't, don't you don't want to come at them. You don't want to steamroll. You don't want to steamroll them. Which, as their boss, you certainly could but you're demonstrating the ultimate respect to that person. I want to hear what's up. I want to hear what you think. How do you see things? I want to hear it. It's important to me. It's important to me what you're feeling and what you're thinking. And it, 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 first off, the person feels, you, you know, trusted, and, and they start to trust you and, and you. and secondly, you're gaining more insight into whatever the situ- situation is. You don't learn anything by talking, Jim. You learn by listening. <laughs> yeah. I
0: didn't mean to say, I, say that again. I <laughs> love that. You, I, know, you said that to, to a radio talk particular. show host, you know. You said that you don't, learn, you don't learn nothing by talking to a radio talk show host. But it's so true, Larry, that yeah. you, you don't learn. You have to listen, but it's so hard.
1: <laughs> yeah. You just get so much more buy in when you handle it that way. You know, you still have your point, and you know, you want things a certain way you know and it's going to be your way you know or hopefully you know or else maybe you're going to amend that maybe you can hear what they say and they got a legitimate point that's going to amend it and give you a better solution it's important to to listen to the guy first and to understand
0: Have you ever had to apologize for not listening first
1: oh, i've had to apologize for a lot of stuff jim i throw
0: a lot of apologies i mean i'm not a bad person you know but
1: i'm uh, everyone's human you know and and when you apologize it's a powerful thing you know, I, 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 if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But being a manager, being a leader doesn't make you right all the time. If you do something wrong, if you hurt somebody or devalue somebody, hey, I'm sorry about that. That, that, that doesn't devalue me. It
0: makes me kind of bigger.
1: Absolutely. You know? I've got enough self-confidence to tell you I'm sorry. I did not mean to hurt you. you know? All
0: right, you got 30 seconds. What's one last thing you want to make sure the audience hears from just an effective way to be a manager to help people know that their manager loves them? What's one more thing?
1: To let you, to let your people know you love them, I mean, you tell them you love them. <laughs> you know, you show them, you, you give them time, you give them time. Um, a lot of times I'll text people if they went home with a headache, I'll text them later, hey, I hope you're feeling better. Um, you just have to put the time in for the person. Go that little extra. Do that extra. Do more. Go
0: the extra mile. Absolutely. Do more.
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> All right, Larry Miller, thank you so much for being on iWork for him today. It's a great conversation. We've, we've got a lot more points. We might have to do this again someday. Jim, it's a great show. It's a, your, right.
1: your, your show is a great resource.
0: Uh, well, thank you, Larry, and thanks for being on iWork for him today.
1: All right, thanks for having me.
0: All right. Hey, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, I hope you learned something today. There are some phenomenal points there as we just learn how to make an impact on our on our workplace, learn how to make an impact on the people around us. Just And I think probably one of the most powerful things that Larry demonstrates, that Jesus demonstrated too, was see the person study the person because Jesus was so good at seeing the people around him. Look at the people around you right now. See those people and love them right where they're at. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.